Well, hello, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and we are honored and blessed that you are with us today. If you haven't already, give us a good review on the podcast. We appreciate it. Share this podcast. It will mean a lot to us. Let's get right into this today. I want to talk to the young leaders and to the older leaders uh, in this particular podcast because, you know, it is a leadership podcast. So chances are, if you're listening to this, you see yourself as a leader, and we certainly see you as a leader, and we value the fact that you have chosen to be a part of this great voice that is going out now to the remnant as the remnant is rising. So the, the title of this podcast is The Value of the Joshua and Caleb's the value of Joshua and Caleb. Now, for those that know the story, you know, the story that Joshua was the personal assistant, if you, if you will, to Moses, Joshua was with Moses as he went up the mountain to receive the 10 commandments. And of course he didn't get to go all the way up with him. He was told to stay about halfway up the, of the mountain, but he was there waiting on his leader. He was being trained by him. Uh, even though, uh, his brother, Moses' brother, uh, was, you know, the priest and uh, was always the one that was there with him. Aaron was always carrying out the message that God had given Moses to give the people. He would tell it to Aaron, and Aaron would run with that vision. But there in the shadows was a young man named Joshua, uh, Was but was always usually seen with another young man named Caleb. And what really, I guess, put the name Joshua and Caleb on the forefront in being famous in Scripture is when it came time for them to get finally get to the point where they were going to cross over the Jordan River and into the Promised Land, Jericho, Moses sent uh, 12 spies over into Jericho to climb the walls and sneak in and sort of scope out what they were looking at, what kind of enemy they would be dealing with. And uh, everybody sat back and waited on the spies to get back because, you know, they saw the walls. They had heard the the roar, and the Bible said the walls were so giant and so thick and, and deep uh, that, you know, they, they would race chariots on top of, of the wall. Now, why would you do that? Why would you race chariots on top of a wall? You were not doing that because that's where you chose to race, okay? You would do that inside the city of Jericho, inside a Colosseum. You were only doing that to intimidate your enemies, to specifically intimidate God's people, that they had heard rumors. We found out later, you know, they had already heard about what God had said, that they were going to take that land. So they were out of fear. They would do everything they could do to try to intimidate and you'd race chariots on top of a wall, that would make people look at it and go, my God, that wall is impenetrable. I mean, it's so strong and so sturdy and so wide and so thick, it's like an, an entire interstate system up there. And, it, and of course, to hold the structure that would kind of hold that weight, there's no telling how thick those walls are and how strong those walls are. So, yeah, it was intimidating. So they needed to know what was going on inside those walls. So God sends his spies uh, through Moses instruction. He gives Moses instruction to send these 12 spies in. Well, they come back 
And of course, when they come back uh, with their report, uh, they came back, you know, 10 of the 12 came back with a report of we're like grasshoppers. It's a very famous passage in scripture. We were like grasshoppers and they were like giants. Uh, and that quite some, quite frankly, some theologians believe there were actually giants there. Uh, and we know there were giants in Bible, line, Bible time. And many people believe that the Jericho people were um, mixed with, it, with um, actual just people and then also those that had been tainted in the bloodline and were giants there. Either way, whether there was literal giants inside Jericho or it was a mental thing, to where they were like so superior in military power and skill that they were like a giant and we were like a grasshopper and they're going to crush us mentality. Regardless of what it was, that was their report. It was a report of defeat. It was a report of impossibility. But then came the report of these two other guys, these two young guys named Joshua and Caleb. And they gave a completely opposite report. Their report was, we can take them. We need to go right now. We got this thing. They were nothing. Oh, it was the land flowing with milk and honey. God has given us the city. Let's take it. Well, thank God that, you know, they, that Moses listened to the report of Joshua and Caleb and not the report of the other ten, turned around and went back into the wilderness. Of course, we know that those that came out of Egypt including Moses himself, did not make it in. In fact, here's something very interesting. Of all the people that came out, young and old, of Egypt, that was delivered by God out of Egypt, of all the people that came out, there were only two people from that generation that came out of Egypt that went into the promised land. You want to take a guess who they were? Joshua and Caleb. They were young men, but they grew to be older men, and they would end up going in while everyone else did not make it in. And the only ones that did go in that were led by Joshua and Caleb, mainly Joshua was those that had been born in the wilderness during the 40 years. So that's interesting that they went in. Well, they went in for several reasons, uh, but one of the main reasons they went in is because they went in because they were obedient. They were servants. They, and they kept their head in the game. They never lost sight of what God had said they were capable of doing. And that was that God can do anything, that, he, that there's no enemy that's bigger than God. And they believed that. So, so what happened? So, so they go in, and of course, fast forward through the story, spoiler alert if you hadn't read the Bible, uh, God tells Joshua to lead the children of Israel to start marching around this wall that is so intimidating. Well, this wall, they marched around it every day, seven days. And the last day, he says, walk around it seven times and don't say a word. Be completely quiet until you hear God tell the priest to blow the shofars. And when you hear the sound of the shofars, I want you to shout with a great shout. And the walls would come tumbling down. That's exactly what happened in Scripture. On that seventh time in total silence, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around this wall. And God says, tell the priest to blow the shofar. And they blew the shofar. And 
How'd you like that shofar? That's pretty cool, wasn't it? And when they did, they shouted with a great shout. And when they shouted, the walls came down. But it wasn't enough for the walls to come down. They went in, and they went in, and he took the city. And God told Joshua to go continue through the city, leave the women and children there in Jericho, leave a, f- a few of the others there to help them establish our presence, but keep pursuing other enemies. And they continued, and they fought, and they fought, and they fought for generation and generation after generation. There finally came a time when all the battles were won, that all the nations that were taken. And so God, now Joshua's in charge. He's you know he's taken over because he was faithfully serving Moses. He got the promotion. And there's Joshua and Caleb. Well, Caleb was a mighty warrior. He, had, he, was, he fought alongside his friend and, and under the direction of his friend Joshua, faithful, obedient, just a servant of God, a mighty soldier. And it came time that the Bible says that in Joshua chapter 14, Joshua begins to disperse and give ownership to land to all those that are in the 12 tribes. And, and you know, he would just begins to give all this inheritance of this promised land to, to begin to further build what we would know today as the land of Israel and the, and the promised land that belongs to Israel. But I want you to hear this one thing. It's so, so, so powerful. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. It's in Joshua chapter 14. And it says, as the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Verse 5. Verse 6 of Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, said to who? Caleb said to Joshua, you know the word which the Lord God, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Those are the 10. But I wholly follow the Lord, my God. Now I want to back up and say this to you and remind you, go back and look in scripture. Joshua gets the promotion. Joshua became, became the famous one. But do you know who spoke up when they came back from the spying on Jericho? It was Caleb. It wasn't Joshua. The Bible records the words of Caleb, and that's what Caleb is reminding Joshua, that he was the one that brought back the report that we can do this. Everything that we have done, I'm the one that said it. I haven't reminded you of that. I haven't nagged you about that. But right now, as I've sat back and listened to you give all this land and all this stuff to everybody else, I haven't heard my name called. And I've never operated out of a sense of entitlement, but I need to say some things. So he begins to remind him of that. And he goes on to verse 9, and he says this. So Moses swore on that day, saying, 
Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, this is still Caleb talking, these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet, I am as strong this day on this day on, as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakin were there and at that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Do you understand? He was 40 years old when he got the promise that the land that he walked over to get to Jericho, to climb the walls of Jericho and to come back and bring the report is the land that Moses said you will have. So they conquered all these lands that was beyond Jericho, but they had never conquered that mountain that they had climbed over, that they had to sneak through the enemy to get to Jericho. They had never conquered it. But I want you to imagine a man has been fighting alongside and underneath his peer for 45 years, conquering city after city after city, looking out of the corner of his eye to that mountain, always remembering, God said, that's my mountain. God says, that's my mountain. Probably thinking, well, you know, we're probably going to get to that mountain one day. And all these people that I'm helping conquer all these other cities for them so that their children can have an inheritance, so that they can have a place to put down their roots. One day, one day, they'll help me. One day, they'll come to me and they'll say, oh yeah, I want, I want this. I want to help you. I want to help you just like you've helped me. But it never came. Nobody ever helped him. But he never gave up on his dream. And now he's 85 years old. And he ain't asking for, for soldiers to go with him. He ain't asking for help. He ain't asking for welfare. He ain't asking for a handout. He said, I just need your blessing. That's all I need. Because if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I need your blessing. Will you send me to that mountain and release me? I'm not asking you to send soldiers up there and secure that mountain for me. I'll go by myself. And he says, maybe, maybe that the Lord will be. It might be that the Lord will be with me. It almost reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were told to bow in Babylon, and they said no. They said, if you don't bow, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said, you know what? Go ahead, because my God will deliver me from the fire. But then they said something so powerful. They said, but even if he don't, even if we perish in the fire, I will not bow. So, so Caleb is saying, you know, maybe the Lord will help me. Maybe I'll, at 85 years old, I'll finally get my mountain. But you know what? Maybe he won't. But I'll go down fighting. That's the kind of man that Caleb was. He said, I don't need anything but your blessing. Now watch this. And Joshua blessed him. 
verse 13, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. So at 85 years old, he grabbed his sword and he climbed that mountain and he conquered that mountain. And Caleb took his mountain. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying this for this reason. Young men, young women of God, remnant generation, that's holy ghost fire that is being raised up. You cannot, we cannot forget the Joshua's and the Caleb's. The Joshua's that have been faithful to lead us to the place that we're at. The Caleb's that have been faithful to fight alongside of us to help all of us achieve our goals and achieve our dreams. Now, as we walk and begin to walk into this great revival, this great harvest, this great remnant rising, and we begin to see all these young Holy Ghost fire men and women, young teenagers just blazing a trail for Jesus. I'm seeing it everywhere I go. I look over in the corner, though, in a lot of those churches and in my own church, I see it. I see that Joshua and Caleb generation. And I'm, I'm moving into that generation myself, y'all. They got wrinkles. They got sunspots. They got, they got arthritis. They got, they've lost people that they love. Some of them are got loved ones who are dealing with Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, deteriorating bones. They're still praising God and they're still showing up and they're doing the best they can to help you be all that you can be in this world. But some of them still holding on, believing God for their mountain. Believing God that God has not forgotten them. You never know it with some of them because they're always rejoicing with your success. They're always rejoicing to see God use you. They're always encouraging you pushing you to achieve more, to go faster. They're spiritual fathers. They're spiritual mothers. Some of them are spiritual second-generation grand grandparents covering your pasture, and they're still speaking in your life as well. But here you are. It's time for the promised land. It's time for the final generation. And I just don't believe that God is going to let Joshua's and Caleb's in this final generation make it through all that they've had to make it through to get to the end, that final Joel chapter 2 revival, anointing, mantle, and miss their promise. Because see, to a Joshua and a Caleb, just to step into their mountain, even if they don't get to spend a lifetime there, but to be able to stand in their promise, that they've heard from God and believe God all their lives to finally stand there will be enough for the Joshua's and the Caleb's. They want to see you live, live a life, a long life, walking in the glory and the anointing of God. That we understand, they understand, those that are my age and those that are older than me, we understand we can't go back and take back what, what we've already gone through. We can't, we can't, Fast track our lives further than what it was. We are where we are because we, this is it. This is what our life has brought us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But the reality is this. 
to a Joshua and a Caleb. That's why Caleb was so – he was just like, you know, he, he could have just said, you know what, forget you, man. I've worked my tail off for you. I've sacrificed my life, my family. And you're giving all this stuff away to all these cities where everybody, and you ain't even thought of me. Forget you, man. I'm going to my mountain. I'm going to take my mountain. No, he said, no, I want your blessing. I want – it wasn't just for, for, for the, from the blessing of Joshua. It was he, – he wanted the people – to see Joshua blessing. He wanted to do it the right way. He, as, if it, as he left Jericho to go take his mountain and die on his mountain, you know, that's, that's part of where we get the, the phrase, you know, is this the hill you want to die on? Well, that was the hill he died on. He took the mountain. He didn't die in battle. He took the mountain, but he ended up living his life, the rest of his life, he died on that mountain. No, he, need, he needed, he needed, the people of God to see him doing it the right way because he cared just as much about people seeing and following his example of doing it the right way as he did about getting his mountain. Caleb would not have been satisfied to have his mountain and live the, the few years that he had left there on that mountain knowing that, that the impression that he had left with the next generation, the younger generation, was one of rebellion and pride. Nope, not Caleb. Caleb had served faithfully, and he did it the right way. And there's some people around us right now that have paved the way for us. These praying grandmas, these faithful grandpas that have showed up for work day after work day after work day, built churches. My God. These women who have fought devils on our behalf in prayer and intercession. You know, they're not the big names. They don't have a podcast. They don't have a, they don't even know how to get on Instagram. They don't even, they ain't ever, even some of them ain't ever even sent an email, turned on a computer, barely know how to change the channel on their TV. Don't matter. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying they were just cut out of a different cloth. They were, they come from a different generation, that, that generation that paved the way. We can't forget them, y'all. If they're still with us, we need they're valuable. We need to we need to just literally soak up the the knowledge and the wisdom that God has given them just through years. Just the years of experience themselves. The wisdom of that is leaders, listen to me. You need it. Oh, we need to be surrounded by young people. Oh, we need to be a church that has young Youth and children, they're on fire for God. My God, of course we do. That's the heartbeat of God. There's nothing more compelling in ministry than to see a church and a ministry that is on fire in the children and the youth. But I think if we're not careful, we will X out. In our attempts to be relevant and cool and all this, we will forget about the Joshua's and Caleb's. You know, they they were fighting for us, many of us, before we were even born. And they're still in the game. In my church at the time of this recording, I have people in their 70s and their 80s, mid-80s, pushing 90, that are leaders and elders in our church, that are loving on young people and pouring in to men who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and women who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and teenagers. Their wisdom is valuable. The value of the Joshua and Caleb's cannot be uh, even overstated at all. It's that valuable.
And let's not forget that Joel prophesied in the last days when he pours out all his spirit, that last day revival. Your young men shall dream, young men shall see visions, remember? But your old men shall dream dreams. I've always said, I always sort of felt that was them just sort of dreaming how it used to be, dreaming back to the promises of God that God gave them when they were in their 20s and 30s and 40s even. Here they are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. God said, I haven't forgotten my promises. Dream again. Dream again. And I tell you, one of the things that helps the Joshua and Caleb's dream again is when they see the younger generation seeing visions and getting excited about God. It inspires the dream. And they realize, man, we together, together, you, you see the visions, we'll dream the dreams, and we'll walk in the outpouring of God together. Listen, everybody is valuable. Every part of the body is valuable. We need to be cool. We need to be relevant. Maybe we don't need to be cool and relevant I, in the sense of what the world, the church growth struck, growth seminars have told us because I really don't want to be relevant to the world I want to I want to be I want to connect on a level that's personable and the gospel becomes becomes applicable to them but I don't want to be like the world I want to be like God and I tell you when I look around I see some young men and some young women seeing visions walking in vision walking in anointing but I see some Joshua and Caleb's just dreaming of their mountain. Caleb didn't ask for help because that Caleb generation, they won't ask for help. But you know what? Just because they didn't ask for help don't mean we can't help them. So young people, middle-aged people, find you a Joshua and a Caleb as you're operating in your leadership and help them take their mountain. Because when you help a Caleb take their mountain, when you help a Joshua lead, (laughs) the law of sowing and reaping will blow your mind with what God will do for you. I'll see you next time on the Remnant Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining us. God bless.